This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So, well, the Lord listened in the synagogue, and then he asked questions, and questions that were designed to get them to think, to get them to to, to, to ask, why do we do these things? You know, and, and uh, uh, you know, they have high-rise buildings in Jerusalem, in Israel, and um, I don't, you know, uh, what, what they call in, in, uh, in Yiddish, Altakaga, old people, a lot of old people, and so, you know, it's going to be 20, 30, 40 stories high, and an old person, like me, is not going to walk up 20 or 34 flights of stair on Sabbath, right? because the elevator can't run, because it's, it's a mechanical thing. But one elevator is designated the Sabbath elevator, and that walks out, that goes up and down the whole thing. So, you know, you might, you might go and say, well, you know, why is this elevator different from all other elevators? <laughs> and, uh, and again, you would be told, you don't ask why, you just ride that elevator. Okay. So it's the Sabbath, the service is over in the synagogue. They've made their way back to the home, back to Peter's home. And uh, only we learn in, in, in Mark that it was also the home of, he, of Andrew as well, which means they lived together. And in the home there was Peter's wife's mother, or her mother, his mother-in-law. It was Peter's mother-in-law, which means that, 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 that Peter was married. Peter was married. I mean, after all, a man would be crazy to have a mother-in-law without a wife. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we learn from this that Peter is married. Peter is married? What? Peter is married? From, from uh, the Peter from whom all the popes descend from and all the priests look up at, you know, those unmarried pros, popes, those unmarried priests, they look up to Peter, the married man? Okay, whatever. So the Lord enters into the house of Peter and he is told that, that Peter's mother-in-law is very sick. He's told this, first of all. Luke, the great the, the physician here, he describes her as having a great fever, a great fever. And then we're told in both Mark and Luke 
that it was others, others that asked the Lord to help her, the healer. So then the sequence is like this. The Lord comes into the room where she is. The Lord stands over her and rebukes the fever. Then the Lord touches her hand. Then the Lord takes her by the hand and with the hand lifts her up and immediately the fever leaves and then she starts to serve. All right. So this was a great blessing that the Lord brought to the home of Peter. And it shows how much God loves home life. Home life, like the hymn says, happy the home where Jesus' name is sweet to every ear, where children early speak his fame and parents hold him dear. Happy the home where prayer is heard and praise is wont to rise, where parents love the sacred word and its wisdom prize. That's a happy home. And this is the type of happy home that he went into. So when we see the Lord enter this home, as he did there, and it's the warmth of the home, everything wonderful about the home, it just makes us think all the more about what he said about his own home on earth, which he said in Matthew, same chapter, in verse 20, verse 20, he says, Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Foxes and birds were more fortunate than the Lord because, because they had homes and the Lord's didn't. Okay, so from the verse 14, for verse 14, we see that how in the, house of, in the house of Peter, Peter, we're talking about Peter, his mother-in-law was so sick. As a matter of fact, the Greek word was laid. It means like thrown down, cast down. It reminds me of my first chemo session that I had for cancer. And I got home from the chemo center and I stood next to my bed, and as I remember, I didn't get into bed, I passed out into bed. I was cast into bed. And the next thing I remember was my wife Cheryl standing over the bed and yelling at me, don't die. Of course, like any obedient husband, I obeyed, yes, of course. That's why I'm alive today. <laughs> okay, and this is the description of Peter's mother-in-law here, she was cast down into bed with a great fever. She was in a, a state of complete and total helplessness. And this sickness was in Peter's house. This was in Peter's house. This is Peter, the great apostle we're talking about. And what it shows us here is that Peter, the great apostle, the close one to the Lord, was not exempt from sickness in his home. As a matter of fact, this is going to be the third healing in this book, in the book of Matthew, in the, in the chapter here. It will be in Peter's family. And that raises the question, why? Why would the Lord allow Peter, of all people, to have such a terrible sickness in his own home? Why would the Lord Peter's house to be exposed to COVID-19 or whatever it was, the great fevers? Which brings us to the question that hits us more at home today for us, why does the Lord allow us and Peter to experience terrible illnesses in the home? Peter was part of the inner circle. He was close to the Lord. Why do we experience cancer in our homes? And for one reason, well, many reasons, but one of the reasons is to make us sympathetic to those who have cancer. Before I had cancer, I could never say to a cancer patient, I know just how you feel. No, I don't. You know? 
because they're in reality, I never had cancer, so I didn't know how they, just how they felt. But after I had cancer, I could say, I joined the club, and now I know just how you feel. Right, Martha? Yeah. <laughs> and so I had a sympathy that I didn't have before for cancer patients because I'd been there. And another reason that God allows these things to happen in, with us in our homes, in our circle, is that God works through answering prayer. That's how God has chosen. He is working through answering prayer. He works through answering intercessory prayer, which is prayer for others where others cannot or will not pray for themselves. And this is what we see here with Peter's mother-in-law. She was in great need. She had this great fever. She was helpless. She couldn't pray for herself. She couldn't ask for herself. And it was what we saw in Mark and Luke was that the other members of her family who came to the Lord on her behalf and interceded to her, for her to the Lord who healed her. Now that's a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful picture of what intercession and prayer looks like. This reminds me of, um, of last Friday night. Last Friday night, I had a Zoom meeting, a Zoom Bible study and prayer meeting with Mike Johnson and his family and some members of Mike's church up there in San Mateo. And one of the ladies, one of the Filipino ladies there was troubled and she was asking prayer for her lost husband, her husband who, wasn't, who, who didn't know the Lord. And as she was asking prayer, she could see on her face, she was very pained about this, that her husband was lost. And before she even could finish, immediately one of the other ladies, one of the other Filipino lady who was listening said that, she said, I'll pray for him, I'll pray for him. And then she went on to explain how she was married to a husband who was also lost for 17 years before he came to the Lord. 17 years of their marriage, she endured that same pain. That pain from having a lost husband resonated with the other lady, and she said that she would intercede for her in prayer because she knew the pain that that lady was having by having a lost husband. So this is another reason why the Lord allows affliction in our homes and in the closest circle there of Peter. Now, there's a great difference in our intercessory prayers if we have experienced at least somewhat the issues that another is experiencing that we're praying for. And this is seen also in what the Lord suffered. After having suffered the worst, when the Lord died on the cross for our sins, after that horrible experience of dying for us all, in Isaiah 53, the last statement in that chapter is so telling because the last statement of Isaiah 53 in verse 12 says, he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So this is another reason why God allows sickness in our homes is because it makes our hearts able to more effectively intercede, just as we see in the case of the Lord. He bare the sins of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. Now, another reason for affliction in our homes is that we have a tendency over time to just kind of get hard inside, hard-hearted, to get calloused, to get kind of non-responsive or non-feeling especially toward others and non-responsive to the Lord. And there's got to be something that breaks up the hard heart. There's got to be something to make the heart soft and tender to God and also to others. Sickness does that. Affliction does that. It's just what the doctor ordered, sickness and affliction. Okay, now, 
in verse 15, we see how the Lord, um, how the Lord healed Peter's mother-in-law. It says there, he touched her hand. He touched her hand. He walked in there and he touched her hand. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. His last miracle made that very clear. It was a sick servant of the centurion. He didn't even see him. He just spoke a word, much less touched. He didn't have to do that, but the Lord touched the hand of Peter's mother-in-law. And that touch spoke volumes to others because with that touch, that was a touch of loving sympathy, loving sympathy. And then the Lord took her by the hand and lifted her up. He didn't have to do that either. He healed her. When she was healed, she regained all of her strength instantly. And why do we know that? Because immediately she got up and started to work. And normally when a person recovers from a fever, especially a grape fever, they're wiped out. They're just exhausted. They're weak. But this was not the case. And again, it takes the Dr. Luke to make this description for us so we get it. He's the one who told us he had a great fever. And then in Luke 4.39, Luke 4.39, it says the fever left her and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Immediately means she had all her strength back at an instant. So the Lord didn't have to take her up by the hand and help her from this weakened state. She wasn't weakened. But Peter's mother-in-law had all her strength come back to her instantly. And he could have just called her and says, okay, you're better now, so you can get up and go to work. But he didn't. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. That was a hand that was very special because that was a hand of assurance to her. That was a hand more for her heart than her body. That was a hand of assurance to her and a hand of guidance. There's no question that the Lord's healing was direct and complete, as we said, to the point that she had all her strength back. But the Lord did not want her to be afraid in her heart. So with a loving hand, he guides her up as if to say, don't be afraid, it's all right, you're fine now. It was just that hand that gave her that assurance that she was all right. That's what that hand meant. He touched her hand, and when he touched her hand, he felt her fever, he felt the heat. He felt her fever. And that's another example of her touching her hand, feeling the heat of Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched. He touched her hand. which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He felt the, we, the heat of her fever. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He touched her. Now we read what she immediately did. After that, it says also in Matthew 8.15, she arose and ministered unto them. Actually, the literal Greek here uh, is not she ministered unto them. The Greek is she ministered unto him, unto him. Because it shows, and that's important, because it shows how grateful she was to, to the Lord for healing her. He not only touched her hand, he touched her heart by this healing. And her first thought is that she's going to serve the Lord. That's a perfect picture of what happens when the Lord transforms a life. What happens? There's an immediate desire to serve the one who did so much for him. This is the transformation that happens when a person comes to the Lord, when a person is saved from their sin, and a transformation that is described in 2 Corinthians 5.15. 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for all, that they which lived should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him 
which died for them and rose again. See, that's the henceforth transformation. Henceforth transformation of Christ, of before Christ and after Christ. Before Christ, life is living unto ourselves. It's a life of do what I want to do. It's a life of pleasing myself. It's a life of make myself happy. That's my goal in life. But after Christ, the henceforth transformation, it's a life of living unto Christ. It's a life of pleasing the Lord Jesus. It's a life of making him happy. That's the difference. And this is what we see in the case of this Peter's mother-in-law when she gets up. She has all this gratitude to him for the, what she's done for, for him, for her, and the same with us. It's his gratitude for how the Lord has saved us from our sins in hell. So the picture here we see of, uh, uh, of Peter's mother-in-law in verse 15. She arose and ministered unto him. Now, it's the day is, it's been a long day. It's been, a, it's been in the synagogue with uh, listening and asking questions and now I go home and drama in the home and healing. And now it's dark. It's dark outside. And so he and his disciples, they, like I say, they've been in the synagogue all day and, and, it, and uh, they left at dusk and now they healed Peter's mother-in-law. And now it's just dark. It's time to go to sleep. But not yet. Not yet. Because the day's not finished yet. In verse 16, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. So what's going on here? What's happening? Well, word has spread fast in the city of how the Lord healed a sick person in the family, and now the city has come for him to heal all the sick of the city. And they're all there. They're outside the door of the house, and this was no small number of people, it says in in, in verse 16, in verse 16, that we even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed and so forth. Many. This is a huge crowd that's collected now outside the door of the house. And it's not just the cases of fever. There's cases of demon possession. There's wild-eyed people. There's uncontrolled strengths. There's self-mutilating people. And these are cases of the spiritual oppressions and depressions from the demons. And there's also all kinds of sickness, sicknesses out there. The sick people, they, and, and they're sick. They didn't even come themselves. They're so sick, they're brought by others. It must have been this tremendous crowd out there clamoring outside the door. Each one, I don't even know if they lined up orderly like they were going to do Costco or something like that, but they were there. Each one determined to not lose this opportunity for their loved ones to be healed, delivered. And here we see the help for disease in the family has now spread to a desire for help for the disease in the city. It's a picture. It's a picture for us of how, what it means that when we, how we help others. So the help in the family becomes the basis for the city looking for help. The same way we experience help, the Lord saves us from our sins, that becomes the basis for encouraging others to seek the same help of them being saved from their sins. Just like the, the CEF song, stop and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. And then go and tell the story of Christ of Calvary. All right, so what does he do? So what does he do? Does he ask, the, do he ask others to uh, please tell the people that I'm either not here 
or I'm too exhausted and the people should just come back in the morning after I have some rest. Is that what he does? No, not at all. None of that. He responds immediately. He starts to work from one sick person to the other. He's casting out devils on this one and healing this, this one's a sickness. And we, you know, see this thing, you ask the question, why? It's late, it's dark. It's not the time. It's, it's why? Why did, why did the Lord swing into action with such a, an exhausting, after such an exhausting day, he just he swings into action? What was it that motivated the Lord to do this, to, to open the door, go out there and start working? And it's very clear that it was the sight of all those people in need. That sight pulled on the heart of the Lord. It triggered in him a compassion. This is in Matthew 14, 14. Matthew 14, 14 says, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. We already saw this in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 1. Matthew 5, 1. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain when he was set. Disciples came to him. His motivation to help people came from the sight of the multitude. The sight of suffering always touched the heart of the Lord. It moved him to show mercy. As a matter of fact, we can see that his willingness to heal, because that's what we're talking about, why he opened the door and went out there in the first place. His willingness to heal was directly connected to his power to sympathize. Healing was tied to his sympathy. Now, again, just as he did with the centurion, he uses his word. It says in verse 16, he cast out the spirits with his word. He delivers them with his word. The devils submit to it. They're gone, just from the word. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and it's interesting because it says in verse 16, after this great multitude's there, he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. All. No medicines. He healed all, all. First, there was not one person who was rejected and went away without being healed. Every person that came to him, was brought to him, that was sick, went away healed. And, and that's just like the fact that every sinner who comes to the Lord Jesus will not walk away empty, but he'll receive the healing of forgiveness and cleansing. Not one person is going to walk away and say, I came, but it didn't. He didn't. No, because he says in John 6.37, John 6.37, him, this on, not them, but him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But the key, again, from that John 6.37 verse, the key is him that cometh to me. If a person doesn't come, the person will not be forgiven and cleansed. Just as if there was a sick person in the city that was not brought to the Lord, that sick person remains sick. And today, if a person doesn't come on their own to the Lord Jesus, then that person remains unforgiven, defiled, and lost. It all depends on whether or not the person decides to come and comes. And that decision to come or not come rests 100% with the individual person. No one else determines that. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.